Praise God. All right, everybody happy to be here this morning? Yes. Hallelujah. Just a quick heads up regarding Vanessa's and my journey to South Africa because we left her three weeks ago on Monday, Monday, Monday in the morning. I'm sure it was Monday in the morning and we arrived Monday evening. But of course, that was their Monday evening, and that would have been our Tuesday morning here. And uh, that was rather a lengthy trip, going from Wellington to Sydney, onto Johannesburg. In fact, we flew down to Cape Town all in one hit. And uh, our Tuesday morning, uh, with hardly any sleep there, we finally arrived there. But the good thing was we arrived in, in the evening, so we had a whole night's sleep there. Uh, we had the privilege of spending four nights and three days in Cape Town, just for a few days off few days holidays and my what a beautiful city that is and uh, just a lovely place and uh, yeah so we looked around and had ourselves uh, just uh, some time off and uh, and uh, a little bit of work here a little bit of work there but mostly time off and uh, just a wonderful time then on Friday we came back into Johannesburg in time for uh, the ladies meeting of the conference there to start on Saturday in the morning Pastor Vanessa went along to that and then for uh, Sunday morning is officially the start of the conference, and it runs right through to Friday. And I'm telling you, uh, uh, we just had a wonderful time there. Um, we've seen revival again. We know what it looks like. Uh, that church is in revival, uh, church and Bible college and churches around the world. They now have got 300-odd uh, churches. Uh, they've uh, got uh, seven. Uh, let me start again. They've got 37 Bible colleges around the world, of which we are a campus here in, in Wellington. And uh, Dr. Theo Warmerens and his wife, uh, Dr. Beverly, they celebrated their 35th anniversary of uh, ministry. Uh, they started back in 19, um, I believe in 1979, if my memory serves, anyway, 35 years ago. And uh, there was a massive celebration. Conference is always good, but they sort of build in uh, a celebration con uh, uh, content there that was just quite phenomenal. Had some awesome speakers there and just wonderful times. Um, Vanessa and I were able to meet some of the key people uh, in leadership there. And by the way, Pastor Greg Thomas sends his greetings to everybody because he was with us just a few months ago. Um, Pastor Andre Wilman sends his greetings. He was with us early last year. Uh, in fact, we spent a, a day with Pastor Andre just dialoguing around Bible college and different things. And uh, he was gracious enough to give us uh, a lot of time when uh, during conference time, they got very little time. But anyway, we <laughs> were uh, just privileged to be able to spend time with him and also with some of the key players in the Bible college uh, leadership there. And uh, because we are doing considerable work towards uh, curriculum development. And so we, in fact, we have really a quite amazing favor there, which is just awesome. And uh, meeting with all the key people and, uh, and which is absolutely marvelous. Um, I said before we left that we was going to come back with Bible College for year three. And we have. In previous years, we come back with a box under our arm. Uh, this time around, we got everything on a little hard drive, like about yay big external hard drive. We got year one, year two, and year three. And I know that some of the year two students have been asking, it's like, what does year three look like? And we say, we don't really know. <laughs> but we have a much better understanding now. In fact, last year, we didn't know what year two was going to look like. But now we know. And uh, next year, we're going to know exactly what year three is going to look like, but uh, let me encourage you for those of you that in, in uh, year two, and I've talked to you all on uh, 
on Thursday in the evening that uh, year three is kind of the culmination of three years uh, worth of study. And uh, we're already discussing launching ministries next year, launching people into leadership and into various ministries of various kinds. Uh, and we're really looking forward to just being able to ramp up the whole operation in terms of, of uh, our local church. Uh, the mission that God's given us is to reach people for God and to help them to become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. That's our mission. That's our vision. And everything we do, uh, we seek to outwork that mission of reaching more people and training and developing more people that they can reach more people, to train more people so that they too can reach more people. Because Jesus Christ is going to return one day, and when he does, the door of salvation will be closed. And you know, the word tells us that now is the time for salvation. So much to say that we finished a conference there on the Friday and on Saturday uh, after spending a day with uh, Pastor Andre. We flew back again and, of course, uh, came back Sunday evening. And Because uh, in the meantime, we've had some wonderful ministry here while Vanessa and I were gone. Uh, I know that you had a mission Sunday here and uh, Peter and the CAP team doing a wonderful job in presenting everything or at least some of the things that we're involved in. How do you know that we got our finger in a lot of pies? Like we've got a lot of things going on. Um, and uh, we don't always talk about it every Sunday. Uh, but, in fact, we're looking at developing a missions uh, board out in the foyer in the cafe somewhere. And I've said this before, but uh, I've kind of made that Peter's responsibility, but it needs a little help with uh, in the area of graphics and different things. So if anybody can help, please go and talk to Peter. We want to be able to put up on one board all the ministries that we're involved in and that we're doing so that people can see at a glance that uh, we actually, for, you know, like we've said this before, but it's in, in regards to the size of the church, we are punching above our weight. I tell you, we've got a lot of things going on and we're operating in places overseas and locally and nationally and a lot of things that we're doing uh, that uh, we're kind of, uh, you know, we want to fulfill the mandate that Jesus has given us, you know, the great commission of reaching people and teaching people. Praise God. So anyway, and of course, we also had uh, some marvelous guest ministry while uh, Vanessa and I were away. Uh, have you enjoyed uh, the message that Pastor Colin Miller brought a couple of three weeks ago? In fact, in the hindsight, we thought, gee, we should have kept him on for Sunday evening. Like, there was such a good word that really needed, like, a, another burst uh, um, because we believe that God is speaking to us all the time. And, you know, the preaching of the word and, and guest speakers coming in, they kind of bring a word in season for us and, uh, and so forth. And, of course, we also had uh, Johnny Stevenson uh, last weekend. And, wow, what, what good ministry that was. And praise God for everything that God is doing and praise God for where we're going. We're all on a journey and God bringing, bringing people in to bring words to us, uh, things that we need to know uh, and things that we need to adjust in order to be in the perfect will of God, not just for our individual lives, but for our lives collectively. Praise God. Let's just pray right now. And as we head on into the preaching of the word, let's just trust God to speak to us once again. Um, I mean, certainly I've got a word in my spirit that uh, has been burning for some time. And I want to bring that this morning and trust that, uh, that uh, you know, that the will of God is going to be outworked in each and every one of our lives. Heavenly Father, we just want to set this time aside. 
Lord, for the teaching and the preaching of your word. We thank you, Father, that, uh, Lord, your word declares that uh, the word goes forth in demonstration of the spirit and of great power. And as the word is proclaimed, power is released into our lives. The eyes of our understanding are enlightened. There's transformation taking place. Spirit and life is imparted into us. Confusion goes and understanding comes. And we thank you, Lord, that you've not given us a spirit of fear, but you've given us a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. And we thank you, Lord God, that we are trained and equipped to reach people for God and to help them to become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. And everyone that agreed with this prayer said, Amen. Amen. Praise God. All right. Uh, everybody's got an outline in their hand. If you haven't got one, just wave your hands about a little bit. Uh, the title of this morning's uh, message and this series of messages that we are starting now is entitled Keys to Participate in the Coming Transfer of Wealth. Uh, of course, you might recall uh, in the previous month, uh, we've been speaking uh, and studying the word in the area of faithful financial prosperity. Um, and um, kind of God's been stirring my heart to keep going on that theme for some time. Um, because faith comes each time we hear the word. But how do you know when we hear the word, uh, when we hear one message, faith comes. But when we hear two messages, some more faith comes. And we hear three messages on the same thing, some more faith comes. And if we hear it ongoing, more and more faith comes. And so with that, I want to read from Psalm 115, verse 12, uh, 13 and 14. It says, the Lord has been mindful of us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless those who fear the Lord, both great and small. May the Lord give you increase more and more, you and your children. Now, I'll come back to that verse a little bit later on with these three verses, but so much to say that God's got increase for every one of us. It speaks there about blessing. Uh, uh, it says that blessing the house of Israel uh, which most of us are not, uh, unless you're from uh, Jewish descent. Uh, uh, so house of Israel, house of Aaron. He Aaron was the high priest. Most of us are not Aaronites, like we are not part of that priesthood, okay? But then it says uh, uh, he will bless those, he says, who fear the Lord. Well, every one of us can decide to fear the Lord both great and small. We can get in on this blessing here that is discussed right there. May the Lord give you increase more and more. And Pastor Johnny, part of the word that she brought last week is increase, increase. God's got more. Some of us might say, well, I got enough, but God says, I got more. So if God says we got more, we ought not to say I've got enough because God wants to increase us, all right, in all areas. Amen. Um, Praise God. So last week, as I said, we studied God's word on the theme of, of faithful financial prosperity, and we covered four uh, specific subjects. I want to just bring that to your remembrance, uh, just by way of recapping before we move on again. We said first in the first message there that Jesus Christ has come to give us life and abundance. Life and abundance. Now, I haven't got time to get right into all the scripture uh, for that, but that's what we talked about in that whole message. Then secondly, we said that there was a great transfer of wealth coming in the last days, and I want to continue to speak around that theme. Then thirdly, we talked about stewardship, and we noted the fact that we're all managers of God's wealth. 
We're not the owners of God's wealth. We are managers of God's wealth. And you know, there's some very strong uh, scripture passages where God speaks against uh, uh, those who are rich and who are not managing the wealth well. God is not against uh, people being rich, but God is against uh, uh, riches having uh, riches having people like uh, you know that uh, rather than us having money, money has us. And uh, many, many of the rich people that were alive back then, that are alive today, they're not stewards of God's wealth. They are the owners and the possessors, and they do with the wealth as they please. God's got a certain plan for the wealth, and we need to understand what that plan is. And then finally, we talked about keys for the transfer of wealth um, in the last message there in the end of last month. And I mentioned five keys um, and we went through them in one message and like God's instructed me to go back now and each one of those sub points, we're going to make them one message over the next five weeks. So this series of messages there, we're going to cover those five areas. Uh, and because I believe that God wants us to really get a handle on this thing. Uh, and sometimes people say, well, you know, wealth, that's not something that I can get involved in. Uh, the Bible wants to, uh, God says he wants to bring increase to both great and small. If you, if you see yourself as small, God God wants to increase you, and God wants to make you great. It's part of the blessing of Abraham. God says to Abraham, Abraham, I'm going to make your name great. And the blessing of Abraham has come on us as believers, and we just need to learn how to step into all of that. So I want to quickly relay a scriptural foundation for the transfer of wealth. And by the way, we are talking wealth. We are talking money. We are talking riches. And if you promise not to get nervous when I talk about money, I promise I will not get nervous. You know, sometimes people get it a bit uneasy when the preacher talks about money. But you know what? God's not uneasy. And if you read the Gospels, you find that Jesus spoke extensively about money. Paul spoke about money. John the Apostle spoke about money. So if they spoke about money, it must be okay for us to speak about money in church as well. So here we go. Uh, Proverbs chapter 13, verse 22. I'm going to run through those very quickly. We've already taught on that. And I encourage you, if you weren't uh, in those uh, services when we ministered on those messages, get back, jump online and listen to the message and, and lay a hold of what God is speaking to us about at this point in time. Uh, Proverbs 13, 22 says, The wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. Uh, so ungodly people uh, gather up wealth for themselves, but God says it is stored up for people who are righteous before him. All right, now, of course, we've said this before, that if you're born again, God considers you righteous. The Bible says that Jesus became sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. So that's speaking about us. Then in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 26, it says, To the man who pleases God, he gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness, but to the sinner... He gives the task of gathering and storing up wealth to hand it over to the one who pleases God. Now, what's going on here? Well, the Bible says that God's given a job to these wicked people who are just busy making money, busy making money, busy making money all the time. Now, in an ideal world, they need to get saved and bring that wealth on into the kingdom of God. But if they don't get saved, God says, I have a plan for that wealth. I want to put that wealth into the hand of those who please God. I want to put that wealth into the hands of my people who will channel it on through into the kingdom of God. Because with the way that things are going, 
and with the return of the Lord Jesus Christ being imminent, there's so much more to be done, and it requires so much money to reach the masses, to reach the nation and the nations of the world, to build churches, uh, to purchase television time, to uh, print booklets and send them out and tracts and to send out missionaries and to release people into ministry. There's so much more money required for the end-time harvest of souls. So there's uh, coming a time, it tells us here, that when ungodly people will hand over their wealth to the people of God. In the meantime, they're working hard to gather and to store store the wealth that God needs in his kingdom. So don't you ever be jealous when Mr. Fat Cat drives down the road in a big uh, expensive car. There's a day coming when all of that wealth will be handed over. And we studied the word there a few weeks ago. We saw that this is uh, not something that's like sort of just like a theory. It's happened before. There's scriptural precedent where this has happened before. You know, in the legal uh, profession, when they've got a law, they talk about case law. And uh, they talk about, look, we've had a case before, but this has happened. And that was the ruling at that time. And friends, we've got case law where the wealth of wicked people has been handed over into the hands of just people. It's been done before, and God's going to do it again. But God's going to do it at a larger scale than what the world has ever seen before. And in Job chapter 27, it says, This is the portion of a wicked man with God and the, the heritage of oppressors received from the Almighty. Though he heap up silver like dust and piles up clothing like clay, he will pile it up, but the just will wear it, and the innocent will divide the silver. So wicked people who make lots of money by oppressing their suppliers and by uh, oppressing their employees, uh, they're gathering up wealth and they're piling it up to give it to the people who are just and who are innocent before God. And uh, very quickly now, two more scriptures in Proverbs 28, verse 8. It says, he who increases his possessions by usury and extortion gathers it for him who will pity the poor. And so there are those people who push other people down, who charge excessive interest rates, excessive rents on property, on on lands, and on who knows what in order to make money. But God says, all of that money is gathered up and it will all be handed over into the hands of righteous people that have got the right attitude. And we'll be speaking about attitude in just a moment. And finally, here in James chapter 5, verse 3, like there's scripture after scripture after scripture that tells us that a transfer of wealth is coming. And God wants every one of us to be able to participate in that. Uh, James 5, 3, uh, God speaking to, you, to rich people uh, who have broken all of these rules there. They have been bad stewards of God's wealth. They've oppressed other people in order to get rich. They've charged excessive rents and rates and who knows what. It says, your gold and your silver is cankered, and the rust of them shall be a witness against you and shall eat your flesh as it were fire. You have heaped treasure together for the last days. There has never been as much wealth on the earth as there is today uh, in terms of uh, monetary wealth, in terms of uh, property wealth, in terms of wealth in gold and in, in machinery and in 
plant and everything. There's never been a day where there's as much wealth on the earth as there is today. I remember many years ago, we read after a man by the name of John Avancini. If you remember John Avancini, he wrote a couple of fantastic books uh, on the whole area of, uh, of wealth and transfer of wealth and different things. And he said he got a few researchers uh, onto the task of researching how much wealth there is in the earth today in terms of dollar value. And I forget the figure now, but it was just astronomical figures. If you if you pile up all the wealth and, and work out its value, it's like in the multiplied, like, you know, I don't even know what's beyond a trillion. There's no doubt another figure to kind of, you know, describe uh, um, uh, volumes and, and amounts that is just beyond where most people would be able to comprehend. So there's plenty of wealth there, my friend, and God wants to put it all into the hands of righteous people. So when's it going to take place? It'll take place in the last days. When are we in the last days? We're in the last days now. All right? The last days is now. Okay? So let this let the show begin now. Praise God. How are you excited about the word this morning? Like some of you, it's like, where are we going? We already, we already left. <laughs> We're already on a journey. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. All right. Here we go. Uh, the key number one, just uh, this thing is swinging around on me and I can't get into the button. Here we go. Um, key number one to prepare for the transfer of wealth. That's everybody. All right. God wants everybody to be included. The Bible speaks of both great and small. If you see yourself great, praise God. You see yourself small financially, praise God. God wants everybody to be involved. Uh, so the first key that I want to discuss and for the rest of this message is to change our attitude towards money. In fact, can I say change our attitude full stop? Full stop. You know, I've said this before, but uh, when we first get saved, there's usually, I know that was for me, there's all sorts of stuff there that shouldn't be there. It's just practices, you know, change to stop this, stop that, uh, get rid of all your addictions, get rid of all the wrong relationships, get rid of all of this, get all of that out of your life. And, you know, after a while when we are saved, we don't murder no, nobody anymore. We don't, we don't, I haven't murdered anybody, but, you know, we don't murder, we don't rob banks, we don't commit adultery, we don't, we don't do any of that anymore. It's all gone. And all that's left is our attitudes. Do you know what? It seems that people will absolutely, uh, you know, fight you tooth and nail if you were to recommend that it's all right to rob bank, a bank or something. No, it's absolutely wrong. But the same people walk around with a constantly bad attitude and they think that's all right. So all that's left is our attitude. Listen here. What Jesus said when he first uh, uh, arose at 30 years of age and he came into his public ministry and in Matthew chapter 4 verse 17 and this is out of the Ben Campbell Johnson translation. Jesus began his ministry saying to all the people, change your attitude and actions because an invasion of the spirit is imminent. And of course, in the standard translations, it says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Ben Campbell Johnson here has translated the word repent into change your attitudes and your actions because an invasion of the spirit is is imminent. Do you know, amazingly, amazingly, when Jesus first began to preach, 
You know, the first thing that he confronted in people's lives was people's attitudes. You ever thought about that? <laughs> yes, he says, change your attitudes and your actions. But he began with the attitude. And in a moment, we'll find out that attitudes will always lead to actions. We can't change our actions unless we change our attitudes. And so, you see, a change in our attitudes will bring forth a change in our actions. Our actions, let me start again, I'll send you outline. Our attitudes are the invisible drivers of the visible actions in our lives. Most people that own a computer know what a driver is. That basically every piece of hardware in that computer, um, and uh, you know, it needs a driver to be able to drive that particular function. Like uh, uh, just uh, this morning, uh, uh, John gave me a hand uh, to 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 install a driver to be able to operate one of the computer, uh, one of the printers that we've got upstairs. And uh, you know, you get new equipment, and then you match it up with old equipment, and suddenly the driver doesn't fit. And so, basically, that means is that if we got the right driver for that particular piece of hardware, we can get some action going. Our attitudes are like the drivers towards our actions. Attitudes you can't see, but actions we can. And we know that some people have got bad attitudes because they're always bringing forth bad actions. All right? Because one will lead to the other. Praise God. Every action is preceded by an attitude. And I really believe that God wants to speak to us about our attitudes. And I'm talking in the general sense, but also in the sense where our money is concerned. God really needs us to participate in this transfer of wealth. God wants every man and every woman to get on board with this thing. This is not just for, for a few select people. God says both great and small, he wants to increase everybody. Increase us to the extent that God wants to put money into our hand and we need to know to channel those funds through into the kingdom of God. In fact, I had a sense this morning when I started out, I know what God wants to say. I know where I'm starting out, but I don't know where we're going to end up. Like uh, there's, uh, I'm having a sense like there's multiple things going on. God speaks to us about money, about attitudes, uh, about money, about attitudes in general. I tell you, attitudes are a make it or break it sort of a deal. Just watching uh, the news and uh, there's one of the uh, one of the ex-prime ministers of one of our countries close by that's still bleeding on today, that she's no longer in power. And I don't, I don't want to mention names. Some of you know whom I'm talking about. And, you know, like it just all went wrong. Ever since she came into power, it just all went wrong, was only there for a few months, and it all came unstuck. And she's bleeding on today that somehow it's because of this. Your people were against her. What she didn't know was when she came into power, she had the wrong attitude, and she rolled somebody. And if you come into something and you roll somebody and you trample over people to get there, then you've got a harvest coming. And that har harvest will dog you, it'll pursue you, it'll, it'll, it'll just keep on after you, and it'll bring you down because there was a wrong seed sown over here, there was a wrong attitude, and the Bible says what you sow is also uh, what you're going to reap. We've got our own political party here in New Zealand that's going through a leadership struggle right now. The last man in the job, he was all big smiles when he came in, but he rolled somebody, and it was nasty business that went on, and it was only a matter of months before it all catches up. I remember a friend of mine, uh, um, friend of mine uh, 
minister friend uh, talked about one of our prime ministers that came into power about uh, eight, nine, seven, eight, nine years ago, ten, possibly longer, and uh, it was a female uh, prime minister. And my friend said to me, this lady just wrote her own destiny. And there was something bad that went down. You know, political environment is like a lot of it is cutthroat. But, you know, sometimes some people are still acting reasonably honorably in the way that they go about things and others acting particularly dishonorably. She acted dishonorably and within a period uh, she rolled somebody, she got rolled. And it all goes back to attitudes. You see, the Bible uh, commands us to act in honor and in, with respect towards everybody. If we don't do that, we've got a harvest coming. So God wants to speak to us about attitude in a general sense, but God also wants to speak to us about attitudes uh, in regards to money. Uh, there is a definition uh, here for the word attitude, because for me, um, when we talk about something, I sort of ask myself, what are we actually talking about here? Well, what is an attitude? Uh, what is that? Well, here we go. Uh, a definition for the word attitude, and this is straight out of Collins' uh, dictionary. It says, the way a person views something or tends to behave towards it, often in an evaluative way. And so we look at something and we evaluate, and what we evaluate and with and the, the, the values that we use in evaluating something, that's the attitude. And that attitude will then lead towards an action. And of course, uh, uh, linguistics tell us that, uh, you know, like, for example, the word attitude, it comes from the Latin word aptitudo. Uh, and aptitudo is a Latin word, and it's, it speaks about being fit or fitness. And you know what? Our attitude determines whether we are fit for something or it determines whether we are unfit for something. Let me give you a scriptural example here. But Jesus is speaking here in Luke chapter 9, verse 62. And Jesus said to him, No one, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Now, I don't know about you, but I read that, and it kind of scares me a little bit. <laughs> you know, it scares me a little bit. Let there never be a day. Let there never be a moment in my life when, you know, put our hands to the plow in terms of being saved and serving God and looking back into my previous life and talk about, you know, what sometimes people refer to as the good old days. Because the moment I do that, Jesus says, I'm not fit for the kingdom of God. You know that word fit here in the Latin translation of the Bible, it's the word aptitudo. That's where that link up is. See, this person's attitude that puts their hand to the plow, says, yes, I'm saved, and praise God, I'm going to heaven, but looks back. And Jesus says, you've just become unfit to participate in the kingdom of God. And well, will they still get saved? Well, sure, they'll get saved if they confess Jesus as Lord of their lives and you know, move forward, but in terms of functioning in the kingdom of God, in terms of accessing blessings, in terms of, in terms of being able to do something for substantial for God. Let's not talk about the good old days. They weren't all that good. Before we got saved, things weren't all that great. Don't, don't let anybody make out that uh, life was all that good back then. It wasn't. Life without God is never good. All right. Praise God. I can see that some of you know what I'm talking about. 
So this one's attitude is, my life was better before I got saved. And the action then is looking back. See, there's an attitude, and then there's an action. And Jesus tells us that that attitude disqualifies us from operating and functioning in the kingdom of God. Let me read you another one here in uh, Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. And this is just two scriptural examples of a, of a wrong attitude leading to a wrong action and a right attitude and a right action. Uh, Paul speaking, he says in verse 13, The one thing I do, however, is to forget what is behind me and do my best to reach what is ahead. So I run straight towards the goal in order to win the prize, which is God's call through Christ Jesus to the life above. All of us who are spiritually mature should have the same attitude. So have the same attitude. What attitude is that? Don't look back. See, so many people still got a foot in their past. Still talking about the hurts and still talking about the offenses and still talking about the troubles of the past. And they can't move into the future. Because with one foot in the past, at best you can maintain where you are, but you certainly can't move forward. And uh, so it says, all of us who are spiritually mature should have the same attitude. But if some of you have a different attitude, God will make this clear to you as well. So what Paul was saying in uh, so many words, he's saying the best is not behind me. The best days are still ahead. The good life is not where I've come from, but the good life is where I'm going. That's what Paul went on about. He says, I forget the things that are behind. Man, if Paul had opportunity to get offended, if Paul had opportunity to get put out in his attitude and spit the dumb man and say, oh, I'm not doing this anymore, he would have had more opportunities than most Christians alive today. Like talk about trouble, like people against him, his own friends forsaking him, uh, shipwrecked beaten, in prison, feet in stocks, just like stuff going wrong. Like if we were to measure somehow if somebody's in the will of God or out of the will of God in terms of what can go wrong in a person's life, we would have said Paul's out of the will of God. But no, he was right in the will of God and just experiencing some troubles. He says, I forget those things since I'm moving forward. So my friend, if you're a person that's got a foot in the past all the time, and you're still talking about what they've done to you and how bad they've treated you and everything, get your foot out of the past, change your attitude, change your action, and move forward. Praise God. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 23, it says, and be constantly, everybody say constantly. So constantly means not some of the time, but it means all the time. Be constantly, constantly renewed in the spirit of your mind, having a fresh mental and spiritual attitude. Just a fresh mental and spiritual attitude. Have you know, know that uh, our attitude tomorrow is not automatically going to be right? And we know that we've got to make a decision that it is right. 
You know, I was just thinking the other day that really attitude's everything. If I want to have a better marriage, I need to change my attitude because that's where it all begins. If I want to have a better life in general, I need to change my attitude. If I want to have more money coming into my hands, I need to begin by changing my attitude. You know, I was thinking that sometimes people do, that people don't connect the dots many times, like they don't connect the dots. That's why the Bible speaks to us and opens the eyes of our understanding. God says, connect the dots. What you do over here is going to affect you here and here and here. And not everything, it, to, not to everything in life is there an immediate harvest. Like I can have a bad attitude and chew somebody out and everything not realizing that, oh, you know, gave them a piece of my mind and, and they move on and, uh, and not realize that a week later, a month later, uh, three months later, something starts to dog me and something starts to bother me and something starts to pursue me. What is it that's pursuing me? The harvest of the seed that I have sown. Let me speak about family life. I think one of the most intensely satisfying things in life is family. But one of the most intensely challenging things in life is family. <laughs> I was just thinking the other day that, you know, Vanessa and I, we got four kids, and eventually there will be four children-in-law. So we got four children, and there will be four children-in-law, and then there will be multiplication. I tell you, when we come together now, as we do as a family, um, I find that intensely satisfying. Um, and just being around and I do a bit of cooking and I serve some food and everybody eats and everybody is happy or for the most part. But you know what? <laughs> Gotta watch your attitude. Watch your attitude. <laughs> Don't know why I'm suddenly thinking of Marlo Brando or the Italian accent. Watch your attitude, you know, like. <laughs> Amazing how the brain works sometimes. Watch your attitude. It'll absolutely determine whether you're going to have a good family life or a bad family life. And as I say, and of course we talk about multiplication, we've got a grandson coming, praise God. And I think we qualify now for this, and I've been practicing on our dog for the last five, six years. I tell you, practicing on the dog, looking after him, and we qualify. The dog hadn't uh, hurt himself, he hasn't starved like the dog's looked after, so we qualify now for a real grandchild, praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Christian family, when we come together as brothers and sisters in the Lord, is intensely satisfying. When we stand alongside each other and we worship God, provided the attitude's right. Of course, you've got a schnitzer against somebody. You stand over here and against somebody over there or vice versa. It's not satisfying at all. Because the attitude is all wrong. Oh, no, people don't rob banks. No, people don't murder nobody. But many got a bad attitude. Turn to the person next to you and say, have you got a bad attitude? Just ask them right now. No hitting now, please. No hitting. <laughs> Having a fresh mental and spiritual attitude. Attitude 
It's a bit like, you know, when you're flying on a plane, they, they run down the runway, get this thing up in the air, and then they turn about and go in the general direction where you want to go, and, and then the direction is mostly set. But you, you look out when you're on the window sitting, you look out on them wings, you know, they got those flaps. They got a flap here, they got a flap there, and of course back there they got a little rudder somewhere that you never see. And every day they got these things, you know, there's just little, you just, if you watch them, these little flaps, it's just forever, forever. You know, there's a little bit of this going on, a bit of turbulence, and then see everything. See, if you experience turbulence, and you don't correct your attitude, you're going to crash. People don't realize this. People say, why is everybody against me? It's your attitude <laughs> that determines. You get that feeling that everybody's against you? It's an attitude. Nobody's against you. <laughs> it's your attitude, Marlon. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> let's let's talk about preparation in terms of wealth transfer and I'm suggesting to you that it entirely depends on our attitude. The biggest shift we're just repeating what we've already said a few weeks ago the biggest shift required in our attitude and action needs to happen in two areas. That's not the only areas but that's the biggest shift number 1 all the money belongs to God. If I don't get a handle on that, I will never participate in what God wants us to participate. And so, well, there's rich people uh, that uh, don't believe that, and, 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 and they got money, yeah. But we found out before, they're now very busy gathering up money to have it all handed over to those who are righteous before God. One of the biggest transfer of wealth took place in Egypt. Egypt has never been the same again since about 3,000 years ago when the Israelites walked out of there with the complete wealth of the Egyptians. Amen. All right, so it's been done before. God will do it again Amen. on a large scale. Egypt is a type of the world, and the promised land is a type of the Christian life. And what we've seen back then with that whole shift of the money, the jewelry, the clothing, and the cattle and everything that shifted across into the hands of God's people. And they came out, and you know it's been said before, but they came out into the wilderness, and Moses is about to receive an offering. You know there's no shops out there, they can spend no money out there. Moses is now receiving an offering. We're building, he says, a tabernacle. We're going to build a place of worship for God. And then of course they moved on into the promised land, and God gave them lands and houses. God gave them vineyards that they had not planted. God gave them, God just gave them the whole show, lock, stock, and barrel. And God wants to do that again on a very, very large scale. Not so much for us to have more money ourselves, but to be able to channel the money through into the kingdom of God. And friend, this is where it all begins. It begins with the tithe and with the offering. If I've got the wrong attitude towards that, I'm on the outside. Because my attitude will hinder me from stepping into that which God wants me to do. You know, Vanessa and I, when we learned about the tithe, that that's God's money, we said, right, this is it. We will never eat of the tithe. We will never rob God. We will never uh, dip into that tithe. We will not even borrow from the tithe and pay it later. We're just going to honor God with the tithe, and we always have done so, and we've never missed a single beat. 
Never once. Never one week, never one payment, never one. When there's a blessing that came into our hand, we took this, the top 10% off and we always put it into uh, the kingdom of God without fail. This is not about bragging about bragging about me or bragging about Vanessa. This is bragging about the goodness of God. When we made a commitment Amen. that we're going to take the first 10%, and honor God with that and an offering besides, then the remaining 90% less the offering will always go far enough to take care of all of our needs, always. God's just looking at the attitude. And the devil is too. The devil can trick you into sort of thinking, oh, well, you know, if the pressure comes on a bit, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. Watch the attitude. It'll determine, it'll be a make it or break it sort of a scenario. So number one, all the money belongs to God. Number two, we are only managers of God's wealth. You know, they said uh, there's a, a rich guy that uh, was in his room dying, was on his dying bed. Uh, doctor was in there. His wife was in there. Kids were outside. And after a while, the doctor came out and sort of uh, expressionless and closed the door behind him. The kids were gathered together, and one of them, a rather bold one amongst them, he says, oh, doctor, he says, uh, you know, like, you know, when he sort of said, oh, he's gone. And, and uh, there was another man that came out. He was the accountant. Like this man had a, a full-time accountant working for him. He was that loaded. And then one of the kids said to the accountant, how much did Pop leave? You know, how much did our dad leave? He says, sure. He says he left it all. We can take nothing with us. Everything is left behind. And you ever thought about the length that you live on right now or that you're staying on right now? Before you got there, somebody else, else lived there. Before that generation, somebody else lived there. And, you know, like, you know, houses are built, houses are torn down. You know, gold comes and gold calls, goes. But all of that, we take nothing with us. Amen. We're only the stewards of it. We, God wants us to use it. You know, it's been said once that money, you know, if you were to talk in coins, I mean, uh, most people don't have coins anymore today, like everything is mostly electronic. But, you know, in the old days, coins, coins were around. Money is made to go around. It goes from one generation to the next generation to the next generation. And uh, we take nothing with us. We're only managers of God's wealth. And uh, God needs people who will put up their hand and say, Lord, you can use me to channel money into the kingdom of God. Have you know that... Uh, if the city council or the regional council were to suddenly find like they've got a water catchment area up there and over there, and they're channeling that water into pipelines to bring it down and to get it distributed in our city. How do you know that if there is a, uh, the, 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 the flow stops somewhere down here, how do you know the council is smart enough to go up line and to check the line somewhere? And if there's one of the lines that doesn't channel the water through, they'll soon replace that thing. And sometimes, you know, people have done well in an area and then suddenly when, you know, they start to get blessed and, you know, they've honored God with the tithe on the little income that they have and suddenly they make more incomes than men. I tell you, I'm giving a lot of money. It's always God's money. Bid it on a small income or on a big income. And if on the way from going to a small income you're starting to struggle with the tithe and with the offering, you disqualify in the purposes of God as far as the transfer of wealth is concerned. Never let your attitude bother you in this area. Uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the word of God is living and active, 
sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. The Word of God judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. The Word of God judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. You know, when the preaching of the Word takes place, or when we open the Scriptures for our daily reading and we read the Word, the Word comes at us and it wants to penetrate our heart. It wants to judge. It wants to test. And it wants to correct our attitude. I can't, cannot remember the number of times when I was sitting in an environment somewhere where the Word of God was proclaimed I was just reading the Scripture and suddenly, oh, my attitude's not right about this, about that towards somebody, and the Word corrected my attitude because I let it do that. And we all need to allow the Word of God to do that. I'll tell you what, it doesn't take long. It doesn't take long for a Christian to go from a good attitude to a bad attitude, like it's going from, from zero to 100 down the motorway in about four or five seconds flat, you know, like a, a week or two or three, and, and suddenly somebody that was good in attitude and everything was going great, so three weeks later, the attitude is all off, off the wall, and then, you know, then it's everybody else's fault, and, uh, you know, like, and suddenly it's like, what's happened? People sometimes miss the preaching of the word on a weekly basis that somewhere in there, in every message, if the Holy Spirit is really leading us and guiding us, there's something in it for everybody. And amongst other things, not only does the, the work bring faith, it brings hope, it brings understanding. Uh, the Bible says spirit and, and life is imparted to us, but it judges, it tests, and it corrects our attitude if we let it do that. And as I said, a number of times, I'm somewhere in the preaching of the word and suddenly like, oh, Oh, wow, my attitude, my attitude is all wrong. You know, one of the big problems with what, what they call about that grace thing that's going on right now, I don't know what the fuss is all about because grace has always been here. Uh, ever since Jesus Christ came, the Bible says that, uh, you know, the law came through Moses, but grace and, grace and, and truth came through Jesus Christ. One of the problems, uh, one of the excesses of that message is that you no longer need to repent. And that message is right from the pit of hell. I'm repenting all the time. I don't have to repent for robbing people, stealing from people. I said, that doesn't happen. But I'm making attitudes to my uh, adjustments to my attitude like all the time. And I make it quick. Some of you are being a bit slow. Like you think you can carry your attitude for a week or two and pout and fuss a little bit to let other people know that you, you are unhappy with them. But that attitude will dog you. It will come back to you in the future. Be quick to repent. Be quick to fix your attitude and watch. Don't allow the devil to get the better of you just because of a bad attitude. You don't have to murder somebody for something to go seriously wrong in your life. A bad attitude can take you all the way to hell. The word attitudes is from the Greek word enoia. Now, we don't normally get into the Greek and into the Hebrew too much on a Sunday. We do stuff like that in Bible college. But uh, I had a look at that word there, and it speaks about, uh, you know, this 
different dictionaries that speak about that this word speaks about the conception. The conception. It's, it, it speaks about the starting point. How do you know that if at some point down the track a baby is born, how do you know that baby didn't just suddenly start materialize like there was a conception somewhere? And so it is with everything that we do and a lot of things that happen to us. Not everything, but a lot of things that happen to us. There was somewhere a conception. We've done something over here, had the wrong attitude, said the wrong words, or consistently said the wrong words. And then weeks and months, something starts to dog us. And as I said before, people don't connect the dot. That goes back to something that took place back here. Galatians chapter 5, chapter 6 says it. It says that God is not mocked. Do not be deceived. Whatsoever a man sows, that will he also reap. You sow a bad attitude, you get a multiplied harvest of bad attitudes coming back to you. If you're finding somehow that people are not everything that they should be towards you, check your attitude. Check your attitude. It speaks there of an inward intention. You know, the word is quick and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword. It says there in um, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. And it pierces right through in between the dividing line of the soul and of the spirit, of bone and marrow. And it judges the thoughts. And one translation says, the intents of the heart. The motivation of the heart. The attitude of the heart. And like one of the biggest things that we can do in life is to remain flexible when it comes to attitudes. If something sort of goes off somewhere, allow the Spirit of God and the Word of God, the preaching of the Word, to correct our attitude. See, God is more interested in our attitudes than he is in our actions. Many people try to say, if I only I can change my actions, I do this and I do it again and, and I've done it again and I'm not getting tired of it, I keep on doing this. Change your attitude and it'll change the action. Our attitudes determine our altitude. You know, if you listen to anybody that's doing any motivational speakers anywhere, you know, whether the, somewhere along the line you'll hear that phrase, it's almost like worn out, but there's still a truth in that, that our attitude determines our altitude. Depending on how high we go, determines, um, or should I say, is determined by the attitude in our own heart, the invisible attitude that leads to visible actions and to visible results. Our attitudes are the potential doorway into a better life. I say potential, because there is such a thing as a good attitude, which means the doorway to a better life is open, and there is such a thing as a bad attitude, and it closes the doorway into a better life. And try as you may, you can't break through that doorway until you change your attitude. And finally, it says there that our attitudes determine whether the door to a better life is open or closed. Sometimes you can see people's attitude on their faces. 
That's why I say, is everybody happy this morning? And, uh, you know, in the old days, I used to be like, this, okay, everybody, notify your face then. I don't do that anymore now. <laughs> but it's good to smile. How I many you know that it's good to smile? It means that, like, right now, you know, the attitude is good and right, and hopefully there's nothing else going on behind that. Attitude is everything. And that whole transfer of wealth that's coming, and in whole receiving that which God even supply our own needs, and then whatever is over and above to transfer on and everything, it really begins with our attitude. In the coming weeks, we're going to get into some of these other points, but let's begin with our attitude. Why don't we? Why don't we settle the tithe once and for all? That there will never be a time where we're going to dip into the tithe because it's God's money. Why don't we? deal with, with the offering, that there will be an offering going over and above the tithe. Because the offering, you see, in many respects, uh, we talk about sowing and reaping and giving and receiving and receiving increase and sowing financial seeds and receiving a financial harvest. Actually, it is the amount of the offering that determines the harvest that comes into our lives. You know, the tithe opens the window of heaven but the size of the offering determines what's put out of heaven and settles on our life. I told a story a few weeks ago. We had a meeting with a financial man from one of the banks in regards to you know restructuring and doing different things. And, uh, and uh, Vanessa had sent on the account information that she keeps. And uh, she's not an accountant, but my, she's thorough and uh, diligent. And just, you know, there's nothing escapes. We know exactly where everything is gone and, and is going and everything is kind of mapped out. And uh, the man said, look, he says, uh, <laughs> I need to meet with these people. So he came to our house and he had a meeting with us. And he says, look, just take, let me have another look at that. What does all of that mean? And he sort of studied it. And, you know, this is a financial guy. Like, <laughs> how do you know that? Some man bank managers can't balance their own checkbook. It's just a tragedy. Economists who are so clever and so wise, and their own finances in a mess. You know, somebody said once uh, that in terms of, uh, you know, well, I understand that we've got a very good treasurer in this country right, right now and have had for, you know, a couple of terms in government there. But, you know, what's a suitable man to be our, like, the, you know, the, the, the treasurer, the suitable man to be over the finances of the country? Let's look at their personal finances. Because if we're faithful in a little, then we'll be faithful in much. And like I, some of us know of people that are commanding a multiplied wealth in their work environment, looking after other people's money, investing and so forth. And you look at their own finances, and it is a shambles. <laughs> it's unbelievable. I don't know how that works. But anyway, what was I saying? I got myself a little bit sidetracked now, I did. <laughs> I, I, was, I was saying something. I was going somewhere before. Anyway, probably can't be important, otherwise I'd remember it. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> it opens the door to a better life. Here in Matthew, as we begin to close now, Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, is that same scripture again, but this time out of the New King James Version. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The word repent there is from the Greek word metanoeo, which means to change your mind. Change your mind. A pastor friend of mine 
number of years ago, said to me that he had this lady come and visit him in his office and she's complaining about this and she was rambling on about that and she was whinging about this and about that and she'd been on, he says, for some time and he says, I patiently listened. He says, and after she kind of ran out of things to say, he says, uh, he says, have you ever thought about changing your mind on some of those things that you're talking about? It was like he had slapped her in the face. Like the reaction that he got from her, she just got up and walked straight out the door. Like it's like, you know, sometimes at the back of people's complaints and ramblings and things, it's just a bad attitude. It's like, whole world's against me, everybody owes me a living, and, you know, government's not giving me enough, and a, a lot of these things that are going on, it's just a bad attitude. So finally, as we read the last scripture again that we started with, in Psalm 115, verse 12, it says, the Lord has been mindful of us. Do you know, God's thinking about us all the time. God's mindful of us. God's watching over us all the time. God's trying to maneuver us into a position where we can be, you know, as they say, be under the spout where the blessing comes out. But many people's attitude moves them just slightly out of the way. The best blessing flow on others says, well, what about me? Change your attitude. Position yourself under the spout where the blessing and where the glory comes out. God's been mindful of, of us. God is thinking about us all the time. God's leading us and guiding us by his spirit. He's maneuvering us. But you know, we said before that the word corrects our attitude, but ultimately we determine whether it'll do that or whether it'll not do that. The word's capable of changing our attitude, but ultimately I give permission to say, all right, Lord, I repent. Forgive me. I've had a bad attitude. Help me to bring about a shift in my, in my attitude towards this person, towards this situation, towards uh, whatever it may be. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel, bless the house of Aaron. He will bless those who fear the Lord, both great and small. May the Lord give you increase more and more, you and your children. The blessing of God wants to land on our lives. And, uh, you know, for those of us that have the the, the privilege of having children and then eventually children, the blessing wants to spill from one generation to the next generation to the next generation. It wants to get stronger and stronger and stronger. And let me tell you, many people who got a good life today, they're not serving God, but they've got a good life today, generally speaking, is not because they're They've earned that. It's their previous generation that have served God and the blessings spilling on and so forth. But at the same time, uh, sometimes when, you know, the blessing of God wants to hit somebody, but it bounces off because the attitude is all wrong. Friend, there's hordes, there's hordes of people running around with the wrong attitude towards God, towards family members, towards neighbors, towards the government. For some people, like you wonder why they're in this country because they're against everything and against everybody. It's like, you know, I think go somewhere else than if it's so bad. Uh, uh, and, and, you know, just attitudes. It all has to do with attitude. And God's speaking to us about attitudes today. We need to absolutely check up in our attitude because in this coming transfer of wealth, we will only participate if our attitude is right. Let's bow our heads as we close with a word of prayer.
Praise God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Do you know, in an ideal world, if we were to have an altar call and say, all right, how many of you got a bad attitude? Why don't you come down the front right now? <laughs> People with a bad attitude are not necessarily liable to move in a hurry. But that said, if we need to fix something, God can fix it standing. God can fix it seating. He's just looking for an open heart. God is looking for an open heart in every single one of us. Just allow the Spirit of God, and whatever God tells you to do, you do it. But you know, the Bible speaks of Daniel, who served on four successive king's courts. He had enemies, but nobody could bring him down, though they tried hard. And the Bible says Daniel was, was a man with an excellent spirit in him. In other words, his attitude was beyond reproach. Something happened, like, and he'll put it right, and he'll make that quick adjustment, and he'll just absolutely fix his attitude, and God blessed the man, and God multiplied the man, and God used the man. And today we read the Bible, and here we hear about a man who had an excellent attitude. I don't know about you, but I will get to heaven. I want Jesus to say, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful of a few things. You'll be made put in charge over many things. Such as I'm speaking, just allow the Spirit of God to touch your life and allow the Word to test, to judge, and to correct your attitude. Whatever it is, get it out of your life. Decisions that you make today will affect you in the days, weeks, and months, and years to come. It could literally change your entire destiny from this moment forward.